Hey there, welcome to the show. Well, here we are, you know, kind of cruising through Marge. You know, nothing really going wrong, or is it? Well, boy, I got a lot to talk to you today about uh, what's going wrong in the market. And uh, you know, I've got Dave Butler. He's going to be joining me shortly uh, from BM Select. The good thing about having Dave in is that he can talk to us. He's very knowledgeable with not just mortgages, but the financial world and what's going on. And of course, you know, as I alluded to, you know, there are some things going wrong. I am going to talk about some of these banks collapsing in the U.S. and the adverse effect it can have in the Canadian market. So lots to talk about this hour. Uh, like I said, James, uh, Dave's going to be joining me shortly. But before I go down that path, remember, coming up on Thursday, April the 27th at 7 p.m., I have my simple seminar webinar. I'm really excited about this one because we're gonna we're gonna help people kind of navigate through some of these tough interest rates and what you can do to actually kind of offset some of your carrying costs. Cause I know some people are kind of feeling the pain right now. And definitely we've got to see if there's something there for you. Um also top secret release. You know, it's one of those things that uh, a lot of people are saying, hey Todd, what is it? Well, you know what? You're not gonna find out until that evening. When we do talk about it, I've got a special release coming out. And again, it's on that Thursday, April the 27th. You can join me here in studio. You can join me via webinar. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. And uh, and also, if you're not following me on Instagram, the Simple Investor one I got to tell you, I'm really pleased with a lot of our partnerships that we're now gaining on Instagram. Some great, great uh, people joining us you know, over the last few weeks and some great content. So I do want to thank everybody for, you know, passing it on. Don't forget, you know, if you see something you like, uh, share it and let everybody know, you know, that we are trying to, you know, eventually make all investment real estate, all real estate in general, as simple as humanly possible. Why does everybody make it so difficult? I don't think you have to. And I think that's one of the things that we've been able to do over the last, you know, 13, 14 years is keep everything as simple as humanly possible when we talk about real estate. So I am going to simplify one of the big things that happened this past week. Uh, of course, everybody heard about the bank in California, the one that they call Silicon Valley Bank, and the fact that it did collapse and the U.S. Fed had to come scurrying in to uh, bail out, you know, the bank, make sure all the people that had money in the bank were protected, uh, but none of the people actually owned the bank and none of the shareholders were protected. And... You know, you'd think by now that, you know, especially with the collapse in 2008-9 of the banking system in the U.S., you would have figured out that they had something in, you know, in place. And all of a sudden now, you know, you get the president scurrying around saying, oh, no, but we're going to protect it. Yeah, we're going to put this into place. You know, a little bit too late. You know, I think you're going to see a few more banks. There has been, you know, um, notice that the one out of New York, um, you know, we've seen, you know, a few others that are struggling, looking out for major bailouts. So is this just the beginning of a huge tidal wave? Like, is it the tip of the iceberg? I don't know. But, you know, when I take a look at what's actually happened and one of the reasons why we are where we are today, it's, you know what, not only have the major banks and the major, you know, uh, the, the U.S. Fed, the Bank of Canada lied to us going through this entire process. Um, I don't even think that they've got their calculators plugged in or they got the right batteries in them right now because... You know, how do you miss at the level that they're currently missing on when they're calculating out numbers? You know, you turn around, and you tell the general public, go spend money. Okay. It's okay. You've saved up too much during the pandemic. We'll drop interest rates. We're not going to raise them anytime soon. 
you know, these are these are the commitments that they were making to the public saying, go spend money. If we do raise interest rates, we'll give you lots of notes and we'll do it nice and easily. You know, like we're going to give you time to protect yourself, safeguard yourself. And guess what? They didn't. They lied. And here we are today. You've all of a sudden got these huge increases. And guess what? The financial institutions that were lending us the mortgage money right now are looking down their throats and saying, look at, we are over leveraged. We don't have the right numbers. Our calculations don't work. We lent out money at X and now we got to do X plus Y, you know? So at the end of the day, my big problem is, is that the entire banking industry, the entire government system doesn't give a damn about you and I, the consumer. You know what? They'll do whatever they think they want to do and they think it's exercise and control. So when we take a look at the bank rates, does it make sense that we are where we are today? Come on, take a look at the fact that in Canada right now, there is $2 trillion worth of mortgage money out there in the marketplace. And I know a lot of people are saying, hey, look at, you know what? So bad Canadian, you overspend or down in the US, $12 trillion in mortgage money. That's massive. Now, when you take a look at the US debt sitting at over 16 trillion, so 4 million of that is from, sorry, 4 trillion of that is in from credit cards, car loans, things like that. In Canada, throw another trillion out there for the same thing. So people are saying, well, it's your fault you over leveraged. Really? I can guarantee you a couple of years ago, people wouldn't have been jumping into the real estate market the way they did if the Bank of Canada, if the US Fed had said, we're going to start raising interest rates. We're going to do it slowly. We're going to start doing it now. I can guarantee you, nobody would have gone on the buying spree that they did. So again, it's like, okay, they've created the problem. They've got to create the solution. But what is the solution? Well, here's the one thing that we may see. Right now, the U.S. Fed may hold their rates. Now, they turned around and said they were going to bake in about 50 basis points increase over the next uh, the next meeting. But is it going to happen? Okay, so you want to really kick everybody while they're down? Bank of Canada froze. And I think that would, would behoove them to leave exactly where they are and not touch the rates for the next six months. You know what? We are watching inflation go down. You don't have to speed it up anymore. It's going to naturally happen. People are feeling the pain. And is it the government's duty to make us suffer? Well, you know what? This is what it seems like. It seems like, you know, the U.S. Fed the Bank of Canada, all they're worried about is, you know, what they promised. They said, we're going to control inflation. So you're going to make the economy and the people that are actually the ones who take care of everything, the taxpayers, you're going to make them suffer. And by the way, every time you bail out a bank, where does the money come from? You know, with Credit Suisse taking a $50 billion loan, where does that money come from? And they're going to have to pay it back. It's not like it's free. Yeah, I know people sit there and say, well, they print more money. Well, that's not the case. It's not the case because eventually we all pay for it. And in the end, you know, when we talk about safe havens, because, you know, one of the things that they were talking about with the Silicon uh, Bank was the fact that they were working with a lot of the cryptocurrencies and you know the they were investing actually it was kind of in the us fed bonds and i'm thinking to myself okay so you can't even invest in the government because you're not going to get enough of a return and the government's going to turn around and increase interest rates so you're going to lose there so where do you put your money and so this you know when i put it all together we still have an inventory sh shortage in the world it's not just in canada it's not just in the us it's around the world because guess what as population continues to grow you still need more roofs over your head so 
if you're going to invest, and I'm not always, you know, I don't always talk about investing with a simple investor. I do talk about the, the need and the necessity for people to have a brick and mortar tangible asset, not just something hypothetical, you know, that can turn on, on a, on a prayer and a wing, you know, like ultimately in the end, if you can watch a walk up and touch it, then that's a tangible asset. This is what we need. I think if people stop, you know, doing all the speculative play and you actually utilize it for what it needs to be, then you know what, we're going to see some stability return in the market. So as we, you know, venture into the spring real estate market, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go with this year? You know, a lot of people are sick and tired of putting their hands in their pockets because that's one of the things that people had to do, you know, with interest rates increasing. The banks certainly aren't going to see the same profit numbers. You know, that's one of the things that we know. Uh, there's no way they can continue to have the huge profits they've had for the last few years because people stopped, you know, borrowing money from them. Okay. Last year, you know, it was a complete reverse from the year before. So, you know, numbers are down. I mean, the overall sales in the marketplaces, when you talk about volume, volume, 40% down from the year before, forget about pricing, because quite frankly, the pricing, when, when we talk about the peak of 2022, that was what I call a pin market. It was kind of that little crest, but reality is, is that the prices haven't adjusted nearly as much. Yeah, I know there's a few of you sitting there saying, yeah, but Todd, I could have sold February 22. I could have sold my property for, you know, 1.6 million. Now I can only get 1.3. Yeah, but the 1.6 wasn't real. Okay. That wasn't a real value. It then getting up, leading up to the 1.6, you would have had to pass that threshold to 1.3, maybe 1.4. Those were the real values. And then when we talk about interest rates, you know what? I don't know who thought for a second that we could leave them at zero, basically. You know, that quarter point, where where were we going to go with that? that? That wasn't realistic. It never was realistic. But the problem is, is now, you know, the, the, the banks and, and the, the Fed and the, the Bank of Canada have overshot the mark of what a balanced market needs to look like. So here's my prediction, okay? A balanced market in real estate, after all the analysis that we've been able to do and taking a look at the overall debt, the overall value, what brick and mortar is worth, the labor markets, everything out there, immigration, interest rates should be between three and 4%. That's it. That's a safe, steady market, which will encourage people to buy, encourage people to borrow, encourage people to sell. But this whole, you know, getting a mortgage at 1.5%. Okay, get that out of your head. That's not real. That's never going to happen unless we go through a world pandemic or another world crisis. That's why that was there. But, you know, leaving it in place for so long, that was really irresponsible of the government. That's what they did. They created this problem. I sure hope that they get us out of it by reducing the rates or at least bring them down modestly. So it stops pressuring you and I in a situation where we keep looking at the debt and saying, yeah, but we should never have taken that debt had we been told the truth. The truth is right now, interest rates will start to come down, I think. Okay. I think that we're going to see the pressure on more of a fixed rate, which is you know part of the bond market. But I think it's going to take a while. I don't think any of the, the major financial you know, uh, institutions are going to do a massive dive. I think what we're going to do is it's going to take a while. So you know what? You just got to hang on. You got to be able to be smart, you know, do leverage where you is necessary. Make sure you figure it out. And of course, you know, one of the things that I'm going to tell you is that, you know, listening to guys like Dave Butler, who's going to be joining me in a second. Uh, he's, he's a guy that you should really listen to. He does have a good idea about what the market should look like. 
So when we come back, I've got more, and uh, I'm going to be joined by Dave Butler here in studio. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, uh, joining me in studio, definitely my expert when we talk about mortgages, but he's also my go-to guy when we start talking about things like the bond rates and what are the banks doing. And of course, as I had mentioned earlier in the show, you know, the U.S. Fed, wow, are they going to be treading water or are they neck deep in it? And a couple of banks that are uh, falling apart. So, you know, joining me here in the studio, I've got Dave Butler. He is the broker owner of BM Select. Dave, uh, a lot of stuff happening in the last week or so. <laughs> this 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 was interesting, right? This was actually, this was fun. There's a little bit, little bit of fireworks potentially before the real fireworks party next week, we will, we will see. So, you know, it's interesting because you and I've been, you know, having these conversations over the last, uh, at least 12 months saying, Hey, they better be careful on how quickly they put these rates up. And you know what I, I, I guess part of what we're seeing right now is, you know, the U S fed screwed up to the point where you're starting to talk defaults with some banks. And of course it was, they're, they're, they're pretty quick, you know, even, even, uh, you know, president Biden, they're pretty quick to start blaming the banks for being, you know, too, too risky. And, and, and so, so let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about, you know, the Silicon Valley bank, obviously that, that, that was the one that made big news. And then there's a couple others that have followed since, but you know, the fact is, is that they're, um, you know, people just start taking out money. They didn't have the, the money to give them. They were paying like their debt and I, I think people don't realize banks take on debt too to be able to lend it out and it's been so costly with these interest rate hikes that you know they basically you know flattened a bank well look you 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 alluded to it perfectly earlier you said look we think that these governments raise rates too quickly and they were also pretty late to the party i mean you know there, there could have been a case to be made that in the back half of 2021 when you could start to see inflation you know sneaking up Maybe you start to do a couple quarter point increases there and gradually ease into it as opposed to, you know, what felt like kind of late moves, right? March of 2022 for Canada and even later for the U.S. And I think that's why we're seeing some of these issues. But, you know, U.S. has a regional bank situation. They have the major banks and they have regional banks. So it's very different than our Canadian system. Um, you know, with their system in particular, when you're going to raise rates too fast and you have some of these regional banks making you know, potentially questionable decisions, that's when you can start to see things break. And I think that was always our thesis from the beginning. You know, when people, I know the real estate bears always say like, you guys are crazy to think the big can is going to pivot. They got to get everything under control. But it's like, yeah, but I've watched markets for a long time. When you make these radical moves, things start to break. And I think what's happening is we're starting to see the beginning of that. We're starting to see things starting to break. Hey, Silicon Valley Bank is not a small bank. That's not like it's John's bank in Ohio. Like we're talking, this is a big bank. <laughs> so this is something we got to be really careful of. Bank and burger joint, <laughs> right? Like, you know, there's like the 18th bank on 18th street. You know, there's all, because obviously in the, in the U.S. you can actually own a bank. You and I could actually own a bank in the States, believe it or not. So very right. interesting. But the reality is it's not a small bank. It's a major, major bank, major implications. Um, you're already seeing the, the government out there quickly. It, it didn't take long. Within literally a day, the bank was the, the government was already bailing out the bank to an extent. And what I mean by bailing out the bank is they bailed out the depositors, right? They, they basically insured all of the depositors that they get their money back, even on the failure of the bank. But 
shareholders and bondholders of that bank did not. They actually lose still. So interesting things happening down there, but all leading into when I said, you know, possible fireworks next week. Next week's a big week. You got Canadian CPI data coming out in the morning on Tuesday. Then the very next day at 2 p.m., you've got the U.S. interest rate announcement. And we all know up until this Silicon Valley and other bank issues, you know, Powell, Jerome Powell was very, that's that's the person that makes the decisions, obviously, out down south with respect to interest rates. He was pretty firm on the fact that, you know, you're going to see a 0.5% increase. The market had even priced that in. Well, if all of a sudden he only increases by 0.25% next week or even no raise with a strong Canadian CPI number in terms of it being nice and low, we could see some insane fireworks in the bond yield market. And I, I personally am looking forward to next week. <laughs> You're like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> so, so, but, so, you know, let's, let's help our listeners understand a little bit about what you're referring to. So the bond going back to the bond rate, for example, you know, if that ends up tanking, of course, that's attached to the fixed rate mortgages. And this is something you and I've been talking about for the last little while is that, you know, when we talk about interest rates, you know, obviously the bank rate controls the variable rate mortgages, and then we've got the fixed rate stuff being controlled by the bond. Um, you know, you've got all these banks that are borrowing money and investing, like, you know, it, it was interesting because, you know, I was, I, I did dive into the Silicon for a reason and to find out that they put a lot of money into the U.S. Fed bonds yeah. and they've been tanking. And so all of a sudden it's like, you know, they're, they're, they're upside down with their investments. So Dave, shed a little bit of light on this for, for our listeners. Yeah. I mean, so it's one of the most interesting things and in, in something that we don't see a lot in, in the mortgage world and interest rate world is when the variable rate is actually higher than the fixed rate. Because if you think about it, why would you take a variable rate that's higher than the fixed rate. If I, if I said to you, Todd, I can get you a variable rate of 4%, but I get you a fixed rate that's not going to move at 3.5, unless you somehow had this insider information that the variable rate was going to go down, why would you actually take the gamble and take the variable rate? So right now we're in this situation where we see the variable rate being controlled by the central banks. We've seen what the Canadian and the U.S. central bank has done. They've raised rates super quick, super fast, very high. That's the variable rate. The bond yield market will usually follow in step, right? So bond yields are obviously where the fixed rates get priced from. Usually they're moving in unison, you know, to an extent, not always. But what we've seen is we're actually seeing, you know, something I've only seen now three times in my entire career where the variable rate is actually higher than the fixed rate. And this is like this news that we're seeing is likely to exasperate that difference because if the bonds start to tank on the news that, uh, you know, maybe the U.S. Fed doesn't raise. Canadian CPI number comes in really nice for us. You could see the bond yield market start to really see some new price discovery on the downside, which correlates directly to lower fixed rates for Canadians or U.S., depending on obviously where you sit. This is obviously very interesting because we don't expect the U.S. Fed or the Canadian, uh, the Bank of Canada, to lower their prime rate anytime soon. So again, you're going to see a much bigger difference, I believe, in the fixed rates to variable rates, making fixed rates almost the only choice, unless for there's some particular reason you have to take the variable. So again, something that we don't always see, but going back to the fixed rates, this is why I believe that a lot of smart mortgage brokers, a lot of smart, hopefully bankers, were telling their clients that were coming up for renewal, hey, don't lock into a five-year fixed at 5.99 or 5.5%. 
Don't take that normal five-year fix that you always take. Maybe look at something a bit more strategic, something that could, you know, show some patience, maybe a one-year, maybe a two-year, so that if the fixed rates come back down, which you and I have talked about, we think they will, now you can actually take advantage of that. You're not stuck in some five-year rate that you have to wait five years for to get out of or pay some massive penalty to get out of to then get into lower rates. The smart and prudent move was for now, while we had such high volatility, be careful, take something short-term, something flexible, and let's see where things go. Yeah. You know, when, when, when I take a look at the numbers and what's floating around, what a lot of people I don't think understand, and I do want to talk to you about it, is the fact that you know, the U.S. Fed, the Bank of Canada um, have, you know, got their hands on trillions of dollars worth of debt, you know, and to give you an idea, uh, in the United States, uh, there is $12 trillion lent out in mortgage money. In, in Canada, you've got $2 trillion worth of mortgage money. And, you know, what, what I think a lot of people don't understand is it's not like a, all that money sitting in the bank for them to lend out. And, you know, they've got to get it from somewhere. They do borrow, you know, in anticipation to try to make some money, but they've got a whole whack of money out there that's really cheap that they're paying a lot more for it right now. Yeah, and it's out of the money, right? I mean, that's the other thing too. A lot of these, these, these bonds that they had bought from the government are actually much lower rates than what they currently stand now. So that they can't even trade them off. And that's actually what's happening with a lot of these regional banks is they've found themselves in a bit of a pickle. Um, you know, now if they can, if they have a high level of liquidity, they can actually weather the storm for a certain period of time. But it also depends on what your mix was. What we found out with the Silicon Valley situation was that they seem to have actually gone quite deep on putting a lot of money into these these government bonds and treasuries, right? I think actually in the States, they could call it a treasury. But um, it's, it's very interesting to see what happened and how it happened. And you can kind of see, you know, these banks, I believe, were also caught off guard. So, you know, when you and I have talked about, hey, you know, some of these central banks, they didn't seem to honor what they said we had tiff you know saying hey rates are going to stay low for super long go invest da, 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 and then right away you know almost <laughs> huge change right so um yeah ultimately i think we're going to see some fireworks i think that uh the situation that we're in right now is something that you and i had kind of thought may happen and we've got a lot a lot of stuff coming down the pipe so and guess what? We've got a lot more to talk about. So when we come back from the break, we'll be joined again with Dave Butler from BM Select. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest this hour is Dave Butler from BM Select. And hey, by the way, before I forget, um, I don't know if you've signed up for our simple seminar webinar yet, but coming up on Thursday, April the 27th at 7 p.m., you can join me here in studio or via webinar for our simple seminar. And, you know, I'm really excited about it because we are going to kind of coach people through some of these high interest rate situations. If you happen to own investment property right now and you're a little underwater on your cash flow, well, we can give you some solutions there. And I do have a very, very top secret special release. I know so many people are saying, Todd, what are you doing? I can't tell you until that night. And so anyways, if you want to join us, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. You can either be here in the studio with us or via a webinar. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor one uh, a lot of people collaborating with us lately, and it's been fabulous. So don't miss out on some of these great things. Dave, actually, just speaking of, 
you know, I get you on a lot of our a lot of our reels there, which is great having you on. Are you finding a bit of a reaction from from some of our Instagram stuff? Well, yeah, actually, it's funny. We've had we've had some of your clients have even called in and just said, "Hey, I saw you on with Todd and Bryn and and Todd and and Tim as well." So, uh, yeah, no, we've actually we find your stuff that you tag us in, and then we'll repost. Gets a lot of traction, but I think that goes to the point. Like we, you know, you focus a lot on you know real estate investment. Um, our brokerage on the mortgage side focuses on a lot of working with real estate investors, kind of that premium service, a little extra, extra. Um, you know, not you're necessarily you're you're just you know, discount rate brokerage kind of thing. But, um, you know, and I think that it kind of the synergy there has helped. And I think we we've noticed personally, I think, and I, I had mentioned this to you guys that we get a lot more views when, when it, when it has to do with the simple investor. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So good to know. And I, I'm getting a thumbs up from my producer there, of course, because he wants to make sure that we're doing <laughs> the right stuff. Um, so let's continue on. You did touch on something there for a second, but I'm going to, I'm going to put shelve that until a little bit later. Uh, that was discount brokers. Love it. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. So let's, uh, let, let, Let's talk about uh, you know back to to the U.S. Fed Bank of Canada for a minute. Um, you know, here's here, here was one of the things that you know I know we've had a lot of discussions, and I and I want you know I really want our listeners to have a good grasp of why we pick on this. And I know there are you know I I get a few people that turn around and say, well, you don't know enough about the economy. You know, we have to increase rates. Got it. You know what? Um, you know, this is why I bring on the experts to have these conversations. But the one thing I can be sure of is that when we were all told that um, there's lots of runway for us to borrow money because, you know, basically uh, Canadians, Americans, they all just, you know, put their hands in their pockets, didn't spend anything basically for 12 months. And all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, wait a minute, we've got a boatload of money, go out and spend it. Don't worry. We're not going to do anything to the interest rates. And sure enough, you know, come March, you know, 22, they decided, hey, forget this. We're, you know, we want to control something that's not controllable. You know, I do, I do point a lot of fault at the banks for creating this problem. And, you know, it's almost like, did the U.S. Fed not learn anything from 2008? You know, like, it's amazing because, you know, in, you know, we saw the crash of 88 and, you know, in that marketplace, I think there was a lot of, pressure valves put into Canada but you know it seems like the US Fed they have a really short memory and you know you know you and I can talk about you know three banks right now that you know basically are underwater um one just got a major bailout you know the credit swiss there right yep. um what was it a 50 50, 50 billion dollar loan yeah yeah and it's a loan it's not it's not free money like you know yeah. and this is this is part of the analogy is that when we talk about finances and and i know people are going well hang on todd i thought this was a real estate show well it all kind of comes yeah. together because we got to talk about mortgages right and, and the biggest debt in the world are mortgages but you know a 50 billion dollar bailout doesn't mean it's free money yeah i mean i think uh <laughs> when i look back at some of the mistakes that you know were potentially made by some of these central banks i think the first one that just stares me in the face is that inflation was going to be transitory Right, it, this was going to just be a short-term thing, and and it, everything was going to work its way out. Well, guess what? You were wrong, and you know. Then you put out, I believe, extremely irresponsible statements to you know people in your country, stating that you know go out, you know take out loans, take out this, take out that. You know, I, I think we've talked about this on the show before. I mean, you and I know business owners that went and made you know loan decisions based on you know information that they were given by tiff macklem and and that we had read everywhere else and you know it's not like this is like some news reporter stating something that's going to happen this was 
the guy that's in charge of the interest rates actually said, go and do this, go and do that. You know, don't worry, interest rates are super low. And, you know, I think a lot of, you know, Canadians, Americans were caught with their pants down when, you know, the rates did start to go up because, again, it's not like they went up slowly. It's not like they did the prudent thing, which would have been, as I said, raising slowly. They they raised and then they found out they were in big trouble. Inf inflation's not transitory. Uh, you know, you, you really overstepped. You know, and I also think that goes back to the res the response in COVID. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I was all for, obviously, stimulating the economy. We knew, you know, people were, again, people were putting their hands in their pocket. Um, they weren't spending money. But did we really need the rate interest rates to go as low as they did? You know what I mean? That was another thing. So it's kind of like they just kept kind of making mistake after mistake. And we all know we've all been there before where we've made a mistake and then we try to fix it and it, it ends up becoming this compounded mistake. I think that's what we're seeing. And, and the sad part is it affects lives, right? I mean, you, you're, there are actually human beings on the other end of this. This affects their emotions. It affects their mindset. It affects everything. And, you know, uh, sadly, you know, some of the calls that we have are, you know, Dave, you know, I, I'm in a variable rate. What do I do? My payment is this. You know, I had one sad situation where, you know, the payment had gone up so much. The entire mortgage payment was his wife's entire salary for the month, right? So, and he's he's now running short of paying the rest of the bills, paying everything else. They have children. You know, this was, this was, and he made a decision that in this particular situation, the client bought a home in 2021 and went and took a variable based on the fact that Tiff had said that we even have all the emails where he said, no, the, the Bank of Canada guy just said that rates are going to be low, so I want to take the variable. You know, the, these are things that happen. I just I just think it was so irresponsible. And again, I think it was just mistake after mistake. And it started with inflation being transitory, and it just continued to go on. You know, it's interesting because when you when you take a look at, you know, where we are today and where we were, like even a year ago, um, it's amazing how the rate is where it is. But more importantly, you know, Right now, the Bank of Canada, the U.S. Fed, you know, as you said, this is going to be a big week coming up for for the financial world, seeing what some of the moves are going to be. You know, are can they be that naive? And I'm going to say stupid that they should just keep the pedal to the metal because, it, like, there's got to be a time where they have to realize, wait a minute, you know, you got to take your foot off the throat of the economy. You cannot keep doing what you're doing and think that, you know, everybody's going to survive because, you know, you, you, you know, let's say the U S fed goes up a half a point. I mean, that's sending a message where they're basically saying, we don't care what the public think. We don't care about the public. Like you see that, that, that's yeah. how I'm reading it now. It's like, you know, they have that expression. You can become nose blind. Well, they're, they're just become financially blind. Look, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be shocked if he stays with the 0.5 increase, you know, I, I, it, to, in my mind, if he stays with the 0.5 increase, I think that's just more ego and he doesn't want to look stupid because the problem is he is on record literally two weeks ago, uh, you know, almost hawkishly showing a 50% basis point increase and that that's likely where they're going. Um, that's, that's, that's tough. I mean, that's, that's, if you don't, you know, if, 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 that's going to look very bad if on him if even if he goes to 0.25 or he does no raise, right? So it's kind of like he, he's not going to look good in any, in any situation. So then does ego then take over? And that's that's the thing we're about to find out, right? Because, you know, was ego involved when he said inflation was transitory? Were these things? I mean, we don't know, right? I mean, he was a hero when he was providing low rates. Now he's a villain. How does he react to being the villain, right? So that's very interesting. You know, I think what's interesting next week, actually, with the Canadian CPI is that I think there's actually a chance. I mean, I, I, I did a bit of a deep dive 
um, really, really into like the inflation statistics, really got deep into CPI, um, particularly wanted to look at last February because obviously the, the report that's coming out this Tuesday is actually going to be for February, right? So February's uh, CPI compared to obviously February's of the last year, that's how this is calculated. Um, I ran some numbers. I mean, I, 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 I want to confidently say that I think we end up somewhere between 5.0 and 5.6, which would be awesome because the last print we had was 5.9. Um, and I think there's actually a small chance we end up on the lower side of that, which would actually end up being the biggest decrease we've seen in inflation since the top out in June. Um, and I think that would be interesting because we're expecting when you do the math, we're actually expecting the May, June, July, and August numbers to actually be the biggest impact. So, you know, there's a couple of people that, you know, I follow um, that I, I, I put a lot of stock into, which is some, some economists, some down South, some here. And uh, I think, you know, the deflationary situation that they've said is something that we could see. So uh, got to keep our eye on that. But next week's going to be such an interesting week. Yeah, it will be. And uh, we're going to go to a quick break, folks. When we come back, I've got more with Dave Butler. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So I've got Dave Butler here uh, in the studio with me. He's the broker owner of BM Select. We've had a, a lot of fun today just chatting about the lunacy of the banks, you know, um, and and I say kind of tongue in cheek, but Dave, you know, part of our conversation obviously has been, you know, the moves that they've made. How are they the correct ones? There are a few people that are going to say, look, we got to control inflation. Uh, but, you know, in my opinion, they set up inflation, you know, like they've they've done a few things, you know, the, the, the governing bodies, you know, uh, playing with the oil you know, increasing the cost of delivering goods, you know, like we all, we all saw this run up. I think it could have been definitely managed better than, and you know, we've got the world having, having a hissy fit <laughs> in all sorts of corners. Um, you know, there's a lot going on. So let's, uh, let, let's, let's kind of drill it down. Let, let's bring him back a little bit more into the, you know, simply real estate aspect of things. Um, let's talk about mortgages for a second. Let's forget about the bank rates and everything else, but let's talk about, you know, the quality of going with the right people. Like, as, as you know, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of dealing with professional realtors and a quick shout out to all of you. You know who you are because you're not offended with, I say, get rid of the part-timers or the people that are only doing a couple deals a year, right? Those are the people that um, I, I I think really you know we we don't need in the industry and quite frankly you know I'm I'm a huge fan of the pros the people you know who you are so like I said you know congratulations to the people that actually are repping the industry the way they need to and you're the same people that aren't sitting there dropping your drawers to get a deal you're not the ones who are going to discount just to get a deal done you know your worth you know your value Dave I know it translates into mortgages as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in the mortgage world, you're kind of going to take two choices, you know, in terms of running an operation. I don't mean like, obviously, we know the part-timers, they, they, you know, that that's a whole in, thing in and of itself and that, you know, they're, they're just kind of scrambling for deals. And the problem with that is that, you know, when they're part-time and they're not able to put 100% focus on something, we know that their clients aren't getting 100% focus. So, so I think that goes without saying, but, you know, in our world, much like yours, there's your discount you know, brokerage, and then there's your service brokerage. And then of course, there's hopefully some that can find their way in the middle. So they're providing both. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the problem with, I think, discount mortgage brokerages is, is, is one thing is that they're discounting so much. And I know this, cause I know the back end of a lot of these, these situations that, that are happening is that 
they're discounting so much that the quality of employee that they have is just naturally going to be less. They're looking to cut costs anywhere they can internally. And my problem with that is that I believe it ends up leading to not so great of a customer experience, right? A lot of these discount brokerages, there's not really, you know, it's not a lot of times a highly super qualified mortgage agent that you're dealing with. You're actually dealing with someone more like a call center, right? Because again, these brokerages, they're discounting so much, they need to run a very, very lean operation. And I'm not that I'm against running a lean operation. I mean, I think, you know, most people would say, well, that's a good business if it's running lean. But I think obviously right now, you know, when you're in this game of, I'm going to beat this guy by 0.01, so I have the next, you know, 0.01, 0.02, all this, so I'm going to have the next best rate. The problem is that has to come from somewhere. You know, and much like with real estate, when you think about real estate, if I'm going to go list my house with the cheapest, you know, cheapest, you know, real estate agent at yeah, discount. The, yeah. The, the problem with that, that I think in my opinion is if it's not a super hot market, you know, where is my property being seen? You know, the coolest thing that I thought of when I had first met, listed my first home for sale was that I knew that the real estate agent I was working with was going to have this everywhere, right? They were going to be posting everywhere because I wasn't, I, I wasn't looking for the discount. I was looking to get the best service. I wanted my property to be seen by more people. So that could possibly bring in the better offer for me, right? If it's not seen, you know, and there's not a lot of people, there's not a lot of hype out there about your property. How are you going to get top, top dollar for it? And so similar to your industry, it goes back to mortgages. It, it's certainly great to get the lowest interest rate, but if you get the absolute, if I get a, if I end up with a 0.05 better interest rate than the next guy, but my experience was crap, you know, for lack of a better term. Yeah. But you're also, you know, we got to also load on to the fact that, um, you know, do you have any prepayment privileges? What if you break it? You know, like there's, there's a lot of underlying things that happen in mortgages that we're, we're not really even speaking of because quite frankly, yeah, you could turn around and get the super uber cheapy mortgage, but God help you if you have to break that thing. Okay. Like your, 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 your penalties are just catastrophic. So it's basically like, I can't tell you what I'm going to be doing a year from now. How do I know three years from now what I'm going to be doing? And if I got a five-year mortgage and I'm locked into this thing where it's like, it's basically got me by, you know, mm -hmm. then what are you going to do? Yeah. You, you bring up that, you know, something that is the next level of the discount brokerage, which is that a lot of them in order to get those rates are working with lenders that are actually offering a product that is stripped of all the perks. Right. So there's these, you know, we've talked about before on the show, no frills mortgages, right? What's a no frills mortgage? Well, it's the same mortgage as a bank. It's just stripped of a lot of the prepayments. You can't, there's no flexibility in it. You lose a lot of the perks that are important. Well, to you a can't even holder. port it. You, you can't don't even port it. Yeah. Or, so you can't, and folks to, to port a mortgage means that currently you own a property, you have a mortgage on it, you buy another property and you can take that mortgage with you sometimes to the next property. But there are lenders that say, no, no, no porting, no this, no that. So in other words, if you do this mortgage and you're locked in for five years, you're, that's it. You, yeah. It's like a sentence, yeah, right? No hearing, no bail hearing, no nothing. Just, it's a sentence. Yeah. Think of it like, a, like when you get a regular mortgage from a regular bank, you're getting not just, you know, you're getting a basket of things. You're getting your interest rate, you're getting prepayment, you're getting all these things, you, get, you miss a payment, all this stuff like that. When you get these no frills mortgages, it's no frills. Think of it like, you know, it's the cheap of the cheap. They've stripped it. It's just this mortgage rate. 
And then the terms that are attached to it are generally not favorable unless, as you said, you know exactly what you're doing for the next five years. And we all know that is very tough to predict, especially in today's world. Oh, yeah. You know, could anyone have predicted we were going to have a pandemic? Could anyone have predicted interest rates are going to go down to the ones? What about those people that were in the no frills mortgages that maybe signed at a 3.99 rate? Now they want to take advantage of the 1.5 rate. Guess what? They couldn't do it. They couldn't break their mortgage. It's actually in the fine print that says, no, 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 you cannot break your mortgage. The only way you can break your mortgage is with us. You have to come back to us. And now you got to pay this big penalty to get, you know, it's so again, discount brokerages, not that I hate them, you know, and, and, and every market needs them. But I think the problem is, is that as the internet is be becoming much more of a presence in the marketplace, these companies are actually being highlighted almost more than the companies that are focusing more on service. And that's simply because I think a lot of the companies that are focusing on service are so busy focusing on service, they don't have the time to play in that game. Yeah. So here we are. We're coming into the spring. I wonder if you and I are going to get it right this year. Um, again, you know, I'm going, and I'm going to still throw my hat in there. I still think that there's some chance that some of the lenders are going to go to a discount. I think we're going to start seeing it pop its head up in about April. We'll see what the next week or two unfolds, but I'm pretty sure we're going to start seeing some of those discount rates coming through. Look, it, the, the current environment, the news we're seeing lately, next week's you know news that comes out, a lot of this is going to be really impactful to what you and I have said, which is spring, summer. You could see some rate discounts, some banks really starting to fight for the business. Um, yeah, I, it, it, huge week coming up next week, obviously, and next couple months are massive, you know, and for us to see that again, for those that don't follow, we're going to need to see that bond yield that two and a half percent or lower on the five year. That's how we're going to get that magical 3.99. I think you and I have both agreed 3.99 on a, for a five year fix, I think gets the market going again. I'm not saying it gets it crazy, but I think it really brings affordability into, into light. And I think you're going to start to see not so many people on the sidelines at 399. I know a lot of people that we've pre-approved. They have said at that rate, I'm out shopping and I'm buying. Yeah. Well, listen, Dave, great having you on uh, as usual. And by the way, folks, um, Dave will be joining me again next week. Uh, Tim Sirianos is going to be back in the studio with us. We do have the Real Estate Talk Triangle coming up next week and uh gonna be great banter we'll be able to get caught up with dave because uh you know we'll find out what shakes loose this week and it's gonna be it's gonna be big you know it's gonna be huge uh any more banks pop up their heads and they start struggling i'm gonna tell you this is going to put a ripple through the lending world for sure and so we're gonna see some fallout so we'll keep our eyes on it I'll keep you up to date, of course. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor One, and uh, we're trying to post a lot more just to keep you up to date more and more every single week. And uh, don't forget to sign up for the Simple Seminar webinar. That's right, Thursday, April the 27th at 7 p.m. Join me here in studio or via a webinar. Uh, a whole lot going to be done. You know, I am going to break down some serious numbers for you. You know, are you struggling carrying some of those properties? Well. Guess what? We do have a solution. It makes sense. And uh, we'll break it down for you, give you a little bit more information. And that top secret release. Yep, you got it. It's coming out. So you don't want to miss the opportunity there. I do want to thank uh, my producers, uh, Aiden in the booth, uh, Ian Grant uh, at head office there as usual. More importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in every single week. You know, it just uh, makes it that much more exciting for us. And I will be back next Sunday as usual at noon. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.